Number 117. We'll need somebody to start it. blessing, that thou would present thy beloved Son to each of our hearts in a way that would attach our hearts to his, or our God, according to thy perfect will for us. We seek this, and we ask for it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. 
Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. Verse 20, And God gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help me for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and of the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. It is not good that man should be alone. In a collection of people of this size, even though it's a Christian gathering, I doubt not that there are individuals in this room that can be characterized as lonely. People that in the midst of this crowd of people, your heart feels alone. And here we have a statement from God about the creature man. He said it's not good that man should be alone. And so God has created every one of us with that natural desire given of himself to have companionship. This afternoon, I would like to take that up, the trust of the Lord, from his side. It is not good that he, the man, Christ Jesus, be alone. He is a perfect man. And as perfect man, he has desires that are perfect and right in their place. And one of the desires of the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ as man, or as we had him this morning, the Son, as a man, is to have companionship, is not to be alone. Turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, chapter 3. We're going to trace a little bit of the life of the Lord Jesus to begin with and see something of his desire for companionship. Companionship that includes, of course, fellowship with himself. So we have here in Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him. 
and that he might send them forth to preach. And so he calls what we call the twelve disciples. But the expression that I want you to notice and enjoy is that little expression in verse 14, that they should be with him. We will find over and over again in the word of God when it speaks of desire in the heart of the blessed Son of Man, that little expression, be with him. He wants companionship. He desires souls, men, to be with him to have a fellowship with himself. And so here the disciples were to become his followers, but the very first thing, you might say the first and most important thing to his heart, was that they be with him. Yes, he was going to send them forth to preach. Yes, they had to be with him in order to learn from him, to be prepared to go out, and fulfill the services that were given to him. Dear fellow man, the Lord Jesus, first and all, wants your companionship. He wants to have you be with him in your heart and in your life. And if we're not with him, then there's really no Value, if I could put it that way, in going forth in service, unless your heart and his heart are enjoying the companionship, the fellowship of one another. Turn over to John's Gospel, chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 64. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning whom they were that believed on him and should betray him. And he said, Therefore I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him of my father. And... From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. There was a price to be paid for a disciple to follow and be with is Lord. There's a price to be paid 
to fulfill the desire of the heart of the Lord Jesus for your companionship. And so here it comes to a test. Some of those that were disciples, the life, the the path was getting more difficult for him as he went on in his life. And consequently, some, while it says they believed on him, and uh, they did in their measure, in their way. But when the test came, some turned away. They wouldn't pay the price that was involved in being with him. Did he feel it? And not so much this afternoon on my heart to emphasize, although we'll bring it out, the responsibility side of it, but more his own heart. And here his own heart is, what does he say? Will ye also go away? Does that touch your heart, brother, sister? Does it not give us a little bit of a sense of the person with whom we have to do? What's in his heart toward us? He's welcomed us to himself. He said, I won't reject any that want to come and be with me. Them that come to me, I will not cast out. Not a single one. There's not a single person in this room that the Lord Jesus does not desire that you be with him. And so when there were some that had professed to be with him and in their measure had followed to some degree with him, turn away. His heart opens up. His feelings come out. And he says to the twelve, will you also go away? May there never be anything in us that would result in this. I'm not bringing out the side of saved or lost here, but the sense that there might be anything in our lives that would cause us to turn aside, to seek to be no longer an active, if I could put it that way, if you're real, no longer an active companion of this man. This man who God says it's not good for man to dwell alone. And as man, he had that pure desire to have companionship. We know in Genesis, particularly, it's speaking about the bride, the church. And yet before me this afternoon is not so much the collective side of it, but the individual, personal relationship that the Lord Jesus wants between each of our hearts and himself. And he wants you and he wants me to have that firm, fixed 
sense in our hearts that He personally wants us, me, you, to be with Him. There's no substitute for it. The Lord looks at it individually and personally. He doesn't look at some crowd of people and say, well, 90% are and 10% are. That's a pretty good ratio. I'll be satisfied with that. No, it's not that. His heart's too large for that. His heart reaches out to every single living person in this room this afternoon with a yearning, with a desire in his heart for you. Will you be with me? Will you be with me? Can we walk together as fellows, companions, friends, as those who love each other? We'll walk together, stand by one another. And so he says, will ye also go away? Turn over to chapter 8. Chapter 8 and um, verse 26. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but... He that sent me is true, and I speak in the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. And um, then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. He that has sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. And as he spake these words, many believed on him. As he gets nearer to the cross, the path becomes more difficult for him, and he felt increasingly alone. You might say fewer and fewer were able to enter in in even a little measure to what he was going through. But wonderfully, to our hearts, appreciation to our God, we say, the Father went with them all the way. No man did. There was none that could go all the way with him that he desired and craved their company, but the Father didn't leave him alone. So we have in Genesis 22, they went, both of them, together to Mount Moriah. He knew what it was. He knew what it was to enjoy in his life the fellowship, the companionship of the Father. 
and he knew what it was in that way to find fullness of joy. And that's really what's in the heart of the Apostle John when he writes his first epistle and second and third too. He had learned that truth and God had given it to him to share with us. To say he had been an observer of the fellowship that the son enjoyed with the father in his life. And he said, that's fullness of joy. That's satisfying. And the Father and the Son have chosen to share it with us. That our joy, too, might be full. Not only does the Son want companionship, But so does the Father. That fellowship and companionship has to be in light, perfect light. The Father and the Son could walk together with not a cloud between them, not a bit of sin, nothing of darkness, in other words. It was in perfect light. And John writes to us to encourage us to walk in fellowship with the Father and the Son in life. No other way. The moment the tiniest little bit of sin comes out in us, the Father doesn't have fellowship with that. The Son doesn't have fellowship with that. And we can't have fellowship with them in that thing. Until it's confessed, until fellowship is restored. But the desire of the heart of the Lord Jesus is, I want him with me. We know what it is to love somebody and be at a distance, not out of fellowship with them, but because life is what it is, we're in one place and they're in another. And so our hearts are where they are, and their hearts are where we are. But we feel the separation, the physical separation. It doesn't. Do it completely. It doesn't fully satisfy us to know that, well, they love me and I love them and they're where they are and I'm where I am. No. When the Lord Jesus says that they may be with me, he means it literally, physically. That's the end result of his intent is that we may be with him. And so he felt it here as the way becomes more difficult. He recognized it as we, for example, see him later on. Let's turn over to Luke's gospel, the 22nd chapter. 
Perhaps a little lesson for us here. The desire of the Lord. Chapter 22, verse 21. Behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing, and there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors, but ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he that doth serve. For whither is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth? Is not he that sitteth at meat? But I am among you as he that serveth. This is a verse I want to notice especially. And ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father hath appointed unto me that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. Amazing grace here. Here's one who's about to die the next day and knows it. Had these companions who have been with him for approximately three and a half years. They can't really believe that anything else but the kingdom is coming. They're going to have a place in it. They're following the one who is the king. And so human heart gets to work and there's some strife there among them, which is going to have the best place. The touching, perfect way in which he deals with it, so unlike us. We don't deal with imperfection the way he does, at least not all the time or much of the time, maybe some of us. But here, he just says, well, you talk about the greatest Right now, the greatest is the one who serves, not the one that sits at table, not the one that has the base of authority. 
Before he says more, he says, but you are they which have continued with me. He valued. He valued. Every one of them. He appreciated every little bit of the work of God. The scene in their lives. And he really commends it here. In the midst of this not so good expression of man, he says, you've continued with me in my temptations. Someday his heart's desire will be realized, perhaps today. Perhaps not today, we don't know, but he's going to tell you. Just like he individually said to the disciples here, I appreciate that you walked with me. Lord Jesus is going to tell you personally and individually his appreciation. For that desire of your heart and the measure in which it was carried out to be his companion. Rather amazingly to me, he said, the greater are those that sit down and eat. So he says to the disciples, he said, you're going to get to do that. You're going to get down. You're going to sit down at my table in my kingdom with me. The honored place. The first place. More important than the reigning is sitting at the table. There are many who serve in a government capacity and have some place of service or honor among men. They don't sit down at the king or the president or whatever he is table. No, that's for the that's the honored special place. I don't know what you're going to feel like. I don't know what I'm going to feel like. But I've got an invitation. He's going to perhaps delight personally to usher me to my chair at his table. He reigns in his kingdom. And so are you. Hope you're enjoying that today or tomorrow you will. He has a table here as well. He's invited you to sit down with him at his table. He's expressed his desire that you will. going to take your seat? Well, he says here, just again, you're they that have continued with me. He values that. Now let's turn back to John's gospel. John chapter 
14. John 14 and verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Hold your place there. We'll come back. But before we comment, let's go over to chapter 17. Chapter 17 and verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. It's wonderful here in the 14th of John that he addresses a need in the hearts of those that were with him on the basis of what he saw was in their heart. That is, in other words, he saw that they loved him. He saw that in their way and measure they valued the fellowship of being with him. And consequently, he recognized the sorrow, the pain that separation was going to cause. When he returned to the father's house and they remained on earth. And so he prepares them for it with comfort. But isn't it wonderful that he saw it, he appreciated it, he valued the fact they loved him. That they valued being with him and they would miss him. Miss him not just casually, but you might say the world fell apart for him. It's perfect love to my heart that the 14th chapter comes before the 17th in this way. I know it comes before it chronologically and so on, but at least in application, I want to say this. He puts the needs of their heart first and then the desires of his own in the same subject. The subject is being together himself with themselves. And he puts their need, at least in the way it's presented to us here, first. And he speaks to them about it. And he says, I'm going away and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Why? Because then where I am, you can be with me. 
Then in the 17th chapter, when speaking to the Father, he expresses his own heart. Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. I'll just quote the scriptures, or at least refer to a few of them. Here in the 14th chapter, speaking on of what's ahead, he says that they be... You may be with me. In the 17th chapter that we've read, it says that we might be, they might be with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Father, I will. Well, in 1 Thessalonians 4, when it speaks of the rapture, it says, So shall we ever be in heaven. Yes, no, no. So shall we ever be with the Lord. What would heaven be if he wasn't there? What would heaven be if he wasn't there? What would heaven be to him if we weren't there? Think about that. What would heaven be to him if we weren't there? Perfect. Glorious, wonderful as the place is, his heart yearns in patience, waiting for the fulfillment of the desire of his heart as a man. It is not good that man should dwell alone, be alone. What would heaven be if he remained a man alone for eternity in an otherwise empty house, even, of course, accepting the Father, the angels? He longs for it. Hour or so, I think, it's, if I have the time right, will be Ralph Buchanan's funeral. A few days ago, Ralph entered that state of being absent from the body, and what? Present with the Lord. The Apostle Paul says, that's far better. I sometimes try to imagine, just for the good of the heart, what did it mean a few days ago to the Lord Jesus when in spirit someone whom he has loved since before the world created For whom he died 2,000 years ago. And now he waited 2,000 years, approximately, to have Ralph with himself. What unspeakable joy to the heart of the Lord Jesus to have another one of his own. 
with him. To go in, to go out, no more. It's, it's the better part. If you're still on earth, as we are, it's because you have the needful part. But those who are with him have the better part. He knows what it is to be alone. He perfectly knows and understands what Carolyn feels. Buoyed up, perhaps, by the fellowship and companionship of many, but Lord Jesus is the only one that will be able to fully, fully enter in. Perhaps others who have passed that way may. So what it will mean to sit down at the breakfast table alone. And yet, not alone. Because the Lord Jesus, who is the only one who could, well, I'll put it this way, who the Lord Jesus knew what it was to be forsaken as a man on the cross. And it was a horrible experience experience beyond comprehension for us. But having experienced it, he makes this promise. He said, I'll never forsake thee. Never. I'll never leave thee. So there's that wonderful comfort of himself. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can always come to me and find the rest that the heart needs in whatever time, whatever circumstance. And so he looks on to the fulfillment of the desire of his heart that we may be with himself. Now let's turn over to the first epistle of John. Chapter 3, verse 12, 312. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Verse 24, he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Verse 12 of chapter 4. Hereby. um, Verse, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. I think most, if not all of us, have at one time or another heard this song, 
meet companion fit for Jesus. If two people are going to go together, two people are going to walk together, there has to be something in common. When you meet somebody, they almost immediately, the only thing that's known a lot of times to be common is the weather. And so conversations with strangers often talk about the weather or some other such thing. But you know what it is if you start talking about the weather with a stranger and then the conversation turns to more important things and you find out that you're both fellow children of God, members of the body of Christ. And the whole tenor of the conversation changes because you have something wonderful in common. And likewise, you know what it's like to turn things to spiritual things and find nothing in common. In fact, the termination even of a friendly conversation sometimes because of the rejection of the man, Christ Jesus. It is not good that a man should dwell alone. So God makes a companion for him, his like. You know, if God has purposed that we be with his son for eternity, we need something in common. As children of Adam's race, we're not fit companions for him. We're not his like. But God takes care of that, doesn't he? He does a wonderful work in us, for us, to produce a result that makes us a fit companion for eternity. I often like example, they kind of fascinate me, of ants. I imagine in front of me here on the lecterns an ant, and I can't imagine enjoying fellowship with it forever. It just doesn't work. We don't share much in common, and so there isn't a satisfaction in my heart. Although, it's a little aside, but I was talking to somebody at work this week, and we were having a conversation in springtime, a little ant time anyways, and typically in the spring somehow ants find their way into the kitchen area, and we were talking in the kitchen area, and we were talking business as we were talking business with my fellow. Every once in a while the little finger went out onto the countertop, and, went, and one ant went out of existence. A few more minutes, and another ant went out of existence. I think totally unconsciously, if I were to speak to that person, do you remember that? I doubt that they would even remember it. It wasn't any big thing. It wasn't a big deal at all. It's just the way life goes, isn't it? A little nuisance that he is. Boom. 
Didn't God put us here to look after those little things as part of our responsibility? I'm not making any moral statements about getting rid of nuisances in the kitchen. It's not the point here. But the point is this. I saw that and I thought, I thank God he doesn't do that with us. I'm infinitely tinier in this creation than that ant is to me. I'm greatly closer to the ant than, than what I am in creation to God. What if he was having some conversation with an angel and he went to me or to you? That's it. Blessed be God. He says, no. He said, Jesus is a man. The son has become a man. He is going to remain a man. It's it's a wonderful mystery why he would ever so do. But as a man, he wants companionship. It's not good for him to live alone. And so God does that mighty work. He says, I have a gift for you. I'm going to give you the gift of eternal life. And having received that gift, you're going to be able to enjoy the same things, love the same things, turn away from the same things, feel the same things as the man, Christ Jesus. Christ, who is our life. What we read in chapter 4 is, if that's not enough, the Father says, I want it to be perfect and complete and wonderful between the three of us, you, the Son, and I. So as it were, I'm going to open you up and I'm going to pour my love in so you can love the same way. Love of God is perfected in us. The source of that love is the heart of God. And that love is poured into us. If you see something of that love in me, you can know that the source of it is God. And God has put it there to display it. And so he says, now, you're fed. Of course, we have these bodies. In fact, comment on that. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 that while we're present in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Why is that? Aren't we with the Lord if we leave this world? Yes, we are in spirit. But our bodies aren't suited to his presence as they are. They have sin in them. And so the body waits its redemption at the time of the resurrection. Um, the rapture for us 
and it gets changed and that sin is removed from it, and then physically we are suited to his holy presence in the Father's house. But as far as a physical thing, it's not ready yet. So it's with the Lord in spirit, in the soul, but not yet in the body. I'd like to close by reading a song in the Echoes of Grace hymn book. You'll, most of you will be very familiar with it, but we'd like to read it again and enjoy it together. It's number 239 in Echoes of Grace. Midst the darkness, storm and sorrow, one bright gleam I see. Well, I know the blessed morrow, Christ will come for me. Midst the light and peace and glory of the Father's house, think of it, there he is in the midst of the light and the glory of the Father's house. What's he doing this afternoon? Christ for me is watching, waiting, waiting till I come. There amidst the songs of heaven, sweeter to his ear. Think of it. Can have an angelic choir. Yes, I know angels don't sing, but we'll let the poet have his license here. Think of the most beautiful sounds of music that could ever be imagined taking place in heaven at this afternoon. But what's it say here? Amidst all that. Is the footfall through the desert ever drawing near? He's watching you. Every little step getting nearer. There made ready are the mansions, glorious, bright and fair. But the bride the father gave him still is wanting, still is absent there. He and I together entering. When the moment comes, he says, I've waited a long time to have you with me. I'm going to come get you. I'll come right. I can't. It's not time for me to come to the earth yet. But I'll come to the clouds and call you up and I'll usher you home together. So he says, He and I together sharing all the Father's love. Back up. He and I together entering those bright courts above. He and I together sharing all the Father's love. Where no shade or stain can enter, nor the gold be dim. In that holiness unsullied, I shall walk with him. Meet companion, then for Jesus, from him, for him made, glory of God's grace forever, there in me displayed, 
he and I, in that bright glory, one deep joy shall share, mine to be forever with him, his, that I am there. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we look forward to it. Perhaps today. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.